Well, this evening we come kind of the close of our looking at uh, the topic of good works. And again, Micah 6.8 has been kind of the theme verse for this section. Micah writes, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. As we've looked at this idea of good works, we've looked at the, um, the definition, how that plays into the believer's life, but tonight it begins to, to look at what does the good works mean in the life of an unregenerate person. When I say unregenerate, what do I mean? The what? An unsaved person, yeah. One that has not had the spirit of what we just sang about. Uh, opened up their eyes and to see, to, to see the, the gift of repentance lived out. Because again, uh, actually I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's look at paragraph 7 on the screen with me. Works done by unregenerate, unregenerate men and women, just so you know, we're not excluding women. Um, although for the matter of them, they may, uh, they may things which God commands. I'm missing a word there, aren't I? Although for the matter. Yeah. Sorry, I, I copy and paste this, but uh, let me. Works done by unregenerate men, although for the matter of them, they may be things which God commands and of good use both to themselves and to others. Yet because they proceed not from a heart purified by faith, nor are done in a right manner according to the word, nor to a right end, the glory of God, they are therefore sinful and cannot please God. Nor make man a meat to receive the grace from God. And yet their neglect of them is more sinful and displeasing to God. Again, I apologize for all those typos in there. Again, let's go back to, you're like, we've had this same point every Sunday night. What is the definition of a good work? It's this, all actions done by or in faith, in obedience to God's commands for the glory of God. So there's four elements to a good work. It is doing what God commands in the way that God commands it with an attitude of faith for the glory of God. Doing what God says, the way he says it, with an attitude of faith for his glory. And we need all four of those to be what God would consider a good work. Again, think about the times when God has, has said, they worship me, but their hearts are far from me. And they do it in vain. Again, there's the outward actions, and it's even done in the way that God had commanded, yet not with a heart of faith. Or actually, in the verse I just quoted, they're doing it in their own way. So we need all four of those elements. And again, because of that definition of all needing all four of those, that's where we see the unregenerate man or unsaved person cannot do all four. They can on the outward, do what God commands. 
to an extent. They can, on an outward level, do even the way God commands. But can they do it with an attitude of faith? No. Can they do it for the glory of God? No. Again, the, the, it falls short. But let us not just skip over it. And I appreciate how the confession helps us to understand rightly that unbelievers can do works that are morally good. Has Oprah Winfrey done a lot of morally good works? She's raised millions of dollars to help support those in need in various things. Yes. So we need to understand that there's a, there's a dividing line, something that can be morally good, yet not spiritually good. It can be good for common man, yet not seen as good in the eyes of God. Even in 2 Kings chapter 10, verse 30, Jehu, the uh, Lord said to Jehu, Because you have done well in doing what is right in my sight, and have done to the house of Ahab all that was in my heart, your sons shall, shall sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. There was, even in a, a wicked family, that which was seen in God's eyes as something that was beneficially good. And there was even a blessing, but in the end, God does not see it as a salvific work. Think about this. When an unregenerate, unsaved person does not steal, are they obeying God's command? It's not a trick question. Yeah. They're obeying God's commands. If a person says, I think lying is a bad thing, are they following God's command? Yeah. And we need to not draw this line and say that we can never do anything that is morally good. But there is a line that we need to do draw to understand that there is no merit in that. There is nothing completely good as far as salvation. There is nothing good as far as from a spiritual aspect. Again, unregenerate man can do morally good things, but he cannot do spiritually good things. And yes, there's a very subtle distinction there. And we're not trying to like split hairs and make huge mountains out of this. But I think what can happen is we can say, well, the ditch where we can go to is, well, if good works are only that which is done according to God's command, what God has commanded and the way he has commanded, with an attitude of faith for the glory of God, well, then we can't expect unregenerate man to do anything. We can just kind of slip off the slippery slope that direction. And that's where I appreciate the confession helps us to understand. Let us not skip over the fact that there is a, a morally good thing that we should be encouraging. Again, what is the role of government? To encourage good things. Does it mean that the works of mankind underneath the realm of, of, the, uh, of the governors and trying to obey the governors appeases God? No. But is it a good work? Yes. But the problem is that it lacks, and even as the confession states there, it lacks 
It is not done from a heart purified by faith. It's not done in the right manner according to the word, nor to the right end, the glory of God. And therefore, it is sinful and cannot please God, nor can it make man able to receive the grace from God. So there's nothing that regenerate man can do to to earn God's favor, and there's nothing that unregenerate man can do. Because it must all be done in faith. Look at Hebrews 11 on the screen. Again, this is just an example. Think back to Genesis. Cain and Abel come and bring their offering to God. God looks upon Abel's offering. Why? The writer of Hebrews helps us see that in verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Notice, both of them offer sacrifices. But because Cain, excuse me, Abel offers his in faith... God looks upon it greater. Notice it says, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. It showed showed his heart by the act of faith. And God testifying of his gifts and through it being dead, he being dead still speaks. And then verse, um, verse five, by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For because he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse 6. But without faith, it is... What's that word there? Impossible to please him. Can an unregenerate man, woman, child, please God in the areas of salvation? Absolutely not. Notice, for he, he... Uh, He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Jesus bringing the woes against the scribes and the Pharisees in Matthew 23, verse 23, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. So he's acknowledging you've done good things, yet you have neglected the weightier weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Notice, the outward action was being done, but that with a heart that had been changed by the gospel, that then is done out of love. Therefore, it was not seen as good in God's eyes. The outward actions were being done in Matthew chapter 6, verse 2, when Jesus says, Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Notice the charitable deeds were being done. And God calls them charitable deeds. But they were not a charitable deed that pleased God. There's a lot of things that we can do and not having a right heart of faith, it'd be an abomination to God. Even the scary words that should be sobering to us in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 and following, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, look at what they've done. Have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? 
And then I will declare to them, I have never known you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. The problem is that they may have done the outward actions, but there was something in their heart that was not doing it in faith. They were not a child of God. But lest we end up in another ditch, we need to understand that from the picture of Scripture, and it was about a week ago as I was kind of looking ahead to this week, this really struck me. From God's perspective, I'll state it and then we'll come back to it. It's better that an unregenerate person do something than nothing. From God's perspective, it's better that an unbeliever does something than nothing. Though it earns them no merits, it's better that they do it. Now, where do we see that? In Matthew chapter 25, verse 41 to 43. Jesus says, Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, uh, naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And then they go on, Lord, where do we see you? Notice the condemnation there. There was a work that was not done. And because they didn't do it, the condemnation came. And so we understand that from this this picture, that the sin, as A.A. Hodge says, the sin lies not in their doing them, but in their personal attitude of rebellion and in the absence of the proper motives and objects. If they neglected to do them, the neglect would have would um, would have added to the other grounds of condemnation, which would remain all the same. Let me kind of bring this more to a practical level. For those of you who are parents, do we expect our unregenerate children to obey? Not a trick question. Yeah. Are they doing it in faith? If they're not regenerate, they can't be doing it in faith. But we still expect them to do it. It is better that they do it than not do it, right? And just the same from God's perspective. To do it, even though the heart of faith is lacking, it's better that they do something. Sam Waldron put it this way, children who are deterred from quarreling by fear of a spanking are not necessarily performing a good work. But they are certainly doing better than if they were not deterred. We must not give our requiring and teaching our children to do what is right because they lack a right spirit, but we must also not let them rest in a purely formal conformity to God's will. How do we flesh this out? I think sometimes I've wrestled with the idea of why do we have our children who aren't saved memorize scripture? Why do we have our children who are not saved pray? God doesn't hear the prayer of an unbeliever, so why should we have them pray? It comes down to this principle. In God's eyes, it's better 
to do it even though the heart is lacking than to not do it at all. But as Sam Waldron says, we don't stop there as parents. We encourage the outward action because that is still pleasing to God. It doesn't earn anything, but we pray for a heart change that then adds that attitude of faith and for the glory of God. We as parents can help the first two, doing what God commands and how God commands. The Holy Spirit brings those other two. And so we're laying the foundations, showing what is right, encouraging what is right, disciplining when there is not that right done, but it is God who then brings the good works by bringing faith and doing it for his glory. And so that's as parents, we have to continue as, as that great book, Shepherding a Child's Heart. We're pointing them and saying, now we're not just doing this to do the outward actions, but to do it with the right heart motive. And point to the gospel, and the gospel is what changes our hearts that we, might, that we need it to, to then do it for the glory of God. As parents, when we are laying the foundation of expectation, expecting and encouraging those things which God desires and is laid out in his word, it lays a foundation. A great friend of Jenny and mine, he was our associate pastor in California. Throughout his whole younger life, he went to Christian school and he was required to memorize scripture. And yet, he was not saved until probably college. Yet, when the Spirit came into his life, he then became a walking Bible. He never quite knew all the words of why he memorized those things, but when the Holy Spirit then brought faith and for the glory of God, it was as if... I feel like he has the whole New Testament at least memorized. He doesn't, but sometimes it feels like that. And yet, that's why we lay those foundations. But in our own lives, we need to understand that even though there may not be salvation, walking and doing the things which God commands is good. But let us not forget to keep encouraging and keep praying and keep showing the need for full obedience that it's in faith for the glory of God. I, I hope you can see that this fleshes out in really practical ways. And at the end of the day, we are dependent as parents. We are dependent even as individuals, as before God. And it sounds contrite. It's better to do something than nothing at all. But we don't stop there. We continue to seek by God's strength the ability to do good works, to do what God has commanded in the way he's commanded with a heart of faith for his glory. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we have continued to just walk slowly and to mine the depths of your word. Lord, we confess Uh, There is no good work that we can do uh, without your strength. Lord, I I pray, Lord, as we um, seek to do your will, 
that you would help us, Lord, that as uh, parents, that you would uh, enable us to um, encourage the things which you have entrusted. The Holy Spirit, we look to you to bring faith, uh, to bring a heart that is no longer self-driven, but it is uh, the glory of God driven. Father, help, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.